Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at the Fez Agency. Did you all know that Portugal is currently ranked the number one country in the world for remote workers? Yeah, that's right. Number one in the entire world. With the beautiful weather mixed with the history, friendly people, incredible coastline, and awesome cuisine, it is really easy to understand why. And in fact, some of our most popular episodes here on About Abroad are about Portugal. So I already know that you all love it, and I'm not going to waste your time trying to convince you to go visit. But what I will try to convince you of is planning your next company retreat there. And when you do, to use the Fez Agency. Fez Agency is local, right there from Porto, with people on the ground to help you plan your company retreat. They can map out every single detail of your offsite anywhere in the country of Portugal. So that way you can arrive, you can unwind and recharge with your teammates without the stress. You all know you love it there. I know you'll love it there. So let's get your team there. And the next time you're planning a company offsite, consider Portugal and then contact my friends over at the Fez Agency to make it happen. You can visit them via the link in the show notes. My guest today is one of the leading travel podcasters out there. His name is Jason Moore of the Zero to Travel podcast. And even more than a podcast, it's a community, a platform, a business, all dedicated to helping people open their eyes to the world of travel. So he's been a huge inspiration for me. It was an awesome experience bringing him on about abroad and chatting with him about building his podcast and the whole community around it and his exploits around the world. Sort of one of those old school digital nomads that's been doing this before digital nomad even existed and just a blast talking with him. So want to say a big thank you to Jason for coming on the show. I think you guys will enjoy this one a lot. Please help me in welcoming Jason to About Abroad. Jason, man, it is so good to have you on the About Abroad podcast. I've been looking forward to this for a while. So first of all, welcome. Uh, how's it going? Um, great, man. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. And I love what you're putting out with the podcast, helping people get abroad. You know, we're, we're, we're sharing the same mission in many ways. So it's always good to connect with somebody that's doing that their part to get people traveling. So yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll start with just a, a little bit of background sort of for you and sort of for the audience. You know, I when I started thinking about doing a podcast, I was already listening to some and wanted to hear some others. And yours was one of those ones that was in a similar space that was already doing that. And I'd been listening for a while. And and so, you know, there's just some there's some incredible episodes in there, which we'll link to, of course, to people listening to About Abroad can can find you if they haven't already. But I just I do kind of want to just start with like a huge thanks for leading the way in that regard because I don't think there was a lot of you before you started Zero to Travel. I would love to kind of start with asking you about the origins of the podcast and and maybe see where that goes in leading us into your background and, and such. So yeah, tell, tell me about the origins of the podcast because I don't know the story. Okay, yeah. Thank you for the compliment, by the way. I appreciate that. Yeah. It, so it started with that pure intention of just hearing from a lot of different travelers around the world through conversations in hostels and whatever, just from traveling around and understanding, wow, there are a lot of different ways <laughs> that you can travel the world that I had no idea 
existed, right? Like things that I, what do you mean? You can like work on a farm in New Zealand and live there for a couple, like I didn't know, you know, some friend did that and I found out about that. Or, you know, I meet the random guy that was just traveling around and, and painting boats and in docks and people teaching English abroad and all these different things, you know, volunteering on organic farms and this stuff that at the time you had to kind of gather up word of mouth when I was traveling. Right. Because uh, to date myself here, I'm going to date myself. But, you know, I took my first solo backpacking trip after college in the late 90s after spending a good year and a half touring. That's another story around the U.S. uh, with my work and the sort of uh, career I fell into. I'm using that in air quotes. So, yeah, so I started, you know, traveling by getting a job that required me to travel around the U.S. And then I was traveling overseas and talking to all these people and just getting so inspired. And then even, you know, utilizing some of those strategies myself and just learning more about travel and really out of the pure intention of wanting to sustain my own travels and to just kind of keep things going. But the more information I took in, I I was just so blown away by the, the opportunity there was to travel for a lot of people. Uh, that would, I say, would write it off because of the marketing of the travel industry, right? Or just their experience of, okay, well, you know, I spent a week in Mexico, so I paid $2,000 for a hotel and all this stuff. And so obviously, who could tra- who could afford to travel for like three or four months or six months or a year or more or whatever? So after many years of traveling, I would always get very excited when somebody would ask me how I did it, which would happen a lot on a daily basis when I was touring. Like, how do you get a job like this, driving a double-decker bus around the, you know, whatever I was doing? Why are you driving a giant cat car around the US? How do you get a job like that? How do you travel? You know, so I'd answer all these questions and it would light me up. Now, I would say 98% of those people would not take my advice, (laughs) right? Not because it was bad advice, but they would just like go on with their lives and and whatever. But I'm like, no, I really get excited. It lights me up when I can help people travel. So with the podcast and Zero to Travel in general, the intention was to just share all of these different ways, almost like an a la carte menu where people could utilize these different tactics and strategies and advice and a lot of mindset stuff too in their lives based on where they are right now. And that's always going to change, right? So what does that mean? You're building a life of travel and travel is one of those things I I feel like it's not a hobby that just goes by the wayside as you get older, like maybe like knitting or playing an instrument or something, or you know, maybe you get bored of it or whatever. I feel like travelers are kind of in it for the long haul. You might not be nomadic forever. You might not, you know, live abroad forever or whatever the case is. But if you love travel, if you're listening to this show, you're probably somebody that's gonna love travel in like 30 years or 20 years or 10 years. And how you do it's gonna change. So I thought there was a lot of value in sharing a lot of these stories. And instead of keeping them within a conversation at the hostel or whatever the case is, audio seemed to be, it was just a a format I was attracted to, right? It's like, oh, I could have a conversation. We can go deep on something. We can really get to know somebody, understand their, their mindset, get practical tips and advice and strategies. And then we could just share that conversation and uh, people might actually listen. And it turned out that they did, which was really cool and shocking. But really, it was just the, the intention of wanting to share the stories and the different ways uh, to travel. And I, I actually found a piece of paper that I wrote my goals on for zero to travel that was stuffed in in a box that somebody sent to me because I had some friends of mine pack up my apartment in Colorado when I sold it and send this box out to Norway where I live. And I found it in one of these random notebooks. And the the goal the intention was right there was like inspire a million people to travel the world, which seemed like insanely big thinking, but that was kind of the intention, right? Like try to think big, you know, shoot for the stars, maybe you'll hit the moon kind of thing. So yeah, that intention has carried the show for eight years. 
because it's it's really all about all right well what what else what else can we add to the conversation what what are some things happening right now in travel like you know what you do with remote work and all of that that's exploded over the last few years I mean we've been talking about location independence and, and all of this stuff for many years but you know it's an ever changing world so we just keep trying to bring on people that can that can provide value to the to the audience and to really give people some things to think about and to give them tools and just ideas and mindsets to build that life of travel for the long term. So that's the long answer. I love it. Uh, we we share so many similarities in a, in a way that like resonate with me there. And I, one of them is I can envision you in those early days, like your sort of your why, you know, what what got you interested in this idea of sharing these stories. And I've said before, one of the things that sort of called to me was I have always loved since I began traveling, just the random like go have a beer, go have a coffee with someone from another country, especially if you happen to be two foreigners, like I'm from the US and I have a friend from the Netherlands and we're both living in Spain. And so for us to go just sit down and chat about, you know, what's your life like in the Netherlands? Where are you from? You know, wh- how'd you come here? How are you able to stay? The the nerdy like visa stuff of like, how is this legally possible? And also just the like, fun, inspirational, you know, what's your life like there? How did you adapt to this or that? I would I do that for free. I mean, it's like literally what I do in my free time. I, I can never get enough of those conversations. And like you, I thought it'd be maybe somebody else would be interested in this. You know, this stuff's practically helpful for me and, and a lot of fun for me. Maybe somebody else is interested and I don't know. I've gotten a lot from that. And and you have a massive community around you that that I think is would be cool to share some details on with the audience as well. But I imagine you get a ton from that. Like that must build you up and feel so good to be having these conversations, inspiring all these people and and hearing their their successes, the way it's transformed their lives. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. That is the currency that keeps the show going or the fuel for me. I mean, I couldn't do something week in and week out for this many years. With usually I last, you know, less than a year or when I was doing you know, freelance contract work, it'd be like, you know, less than a year or a couple of years at the same thing. And that was pretty much it moving on to the next thing. So yes, that's absolutely the thing that that keeps me going. And I'm with you. I think it's a form of travel, right? Like when you get to sit down with somebody from an, another country or just have a conversation, whatever, same country, you're both abroad talking about travel or just hearing their life experience to me is a form of of traveling. You get to kind of almost briefly walk in, this, in somebody's shoes for a little while, understand a little bit about you know how they think and their philosophies on on life and different things and it just gives you new perspectives and i think staying open minded is is like an active uh, kind of mode to be in right oh you could say well i'm open minded but it can it can close off yeah. right if you're not sort of actively trying to stay open minded is how i feel so for me the podcast also in these conversations just keeps things fresh for me, keeps me open-minded, always brings up new ideas and perspectives that I hadn't thought about because I can only walk in my shoes. But with a conversation, you get to you know hear from somebody else's experience and, and their background. And, and that's a form of travel for me as well. So I, I love it. Yeah. It's a, it is like a muscle you have to keep keep working a little bit, like keeping that open-mindedness. And you, we get settled in our ways. I don't... I mean, actually be a nice segue because I'd love to hear about your transition from being this nomad that you know was uh, taking on odd jobs and exploring the world in, in different ways that way to you know having the life that you have now in Norway and, and all that. But I, I it, it reminds me of the fact that like we do get settled in our ways a little bit. And I always draw this comparison like, you know, when you go on when you go abroad or you just go on a trip somewhere for the for the first time and you're in those first few days or weeks of 
being in a new place, you're always very open. I always find myself, I'm like, I, you know, you meet lots of people, you exchange numbers, you, you just, people kind of come up to you and can tell you're a tourist and they'll give you advice. And there, there's a lot of like openness there. And as you, you know, I've been here in Valencia, like I, for four years, my, your world kind of closes off. You do become a little bit more closed and settled in your ways and it becomes your daily life. Yeah. It becomes your daily life. And so that's a, it's a really good point about like, you know, keeping your, keeping yourself open-minded and, and these conversations really do help exercise that muscle. So I would love to use that actually as like a way to transition to, I, I have no idea how you made that change from being this nomad and, and visiting all these different places to, to having the life that you have now, which I gather you're a bit more you know, settled there in Norway. So can you walk us through that and, and kind of take us to where you are today? I have no idea how it happened either. You're going to have to talk. <laughs> okay, to I'm glad else. I'm not alone. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, I know how it happened, but of course it all happens in real time. So, you know, life is funny like that. I think transitions are a big topic in my show and something that I'm really fascinated with personally after doing, you know, 500 plus interviews on the show and just all the conversations over many years of traveling. It, it, it seems to me that most people are in a transition in some way, shape or form almost all the time in your life, right? Like you might be transitioning to a totally different lifestyle, like when you quit your job and and sold your house and went to Ecuador, which if you want to hear that whole backstory, you can listen to my show because we had you on there. But it, it, you know, that is a, a very clear sort of, hey, it was my life was this. And then this transition time was me you know, selling my house, quitting my job, whatever. And now my life is this. You can almost paint that picture. But I feel like there's a subtle transition going on, maybe more subtle transitions going on almost all the time. And I think that's a good thing to be aware of because you don't necessarily want to camp out in the transition phase, right? I feel like when you camp out there, for too long, that's when things get a little stressful, at least for me, you know? And, you know, that happened at the end of my nomad days. And we talked a little bit about this before. I spent a decade, a little over a decade as a nomad, not having a home base and working in the event marketing industry, basically managing touring events around uh, the USA. I managed like a tour managed band for a while. So we did the whole like sleeping on a tour bus, playing the different shows, you know, that whole life. I worked as an adventure travel tour guide for a summer. So, you know, I got to live a lot of these different types of life lives on the road, which I love. I love hearing about other people's lives and living it vicariously. And then I love living different lives myself. You know, I, I wish I could have like multiple lives going on at once so I could be experiencing them all at once. I don't know how that works. Elon Musk, if you're listening, let me know. Uh, how's that Neuralink thing going? Maybe there's a way to do that. Shout out to Elon Musk. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know, man. Yeah. I, for me, it kind of evolved in real time, like most people. And I, I just, I started working this touring job. The first one was a charity event where kids would race modified lawn tractors around a big box retail parking lot. And we would set up the the race course and run the whole event, usually with volunteers, which was sometimes a nightmare. And you know, I got the tour schedule for this and, and I got offered this gig and I'm like, what is this? Like, I don't even... They faxed me the tour schedule, okay? I was like, I don't even know what this is, but I just see this. I get to go to a different city every week and like just sign... I'm making 500 bucks a week. Like, oh my, I'm going to be rich. Like, you know, I can pay off some of my student loans. This is more money than I've ever made in my life. I'm going to get $30 a day a per diem and I'm going to live on the road for whatever it was, eight, nine months. 
And, you know, I went and I did it and it was a wonderful experience. And I got thrown into this whole industry where I worked as a touring event manager. So I managed a bunch of different events and led some of the other stuff that I just mentioned. But while that was happening, really how I ended up being a nomad was not how most people end up being nomadic today, which is they see the digital nomad thing or maybe get a remote job. And it's like a very intentional decision. I was like an accidental nomad. I just kept taking gigs and traveling because I'm like, well, why would I stop doing it? I'm having fun. I'm making money. I'm traveling and getting paid to travel. And then in between these contract gigs, I'm taking money I saved and traveling around the world and having an absolute blast. So why would I stop? And and I just decided to just not stop. And that just turned into 10 years. Now, at the end, I was getting kind of burnt out. And maybe that's the transition you were kind of alluding to is, all right, well, at some point I was like, it was funny because my first stint somewhere in one place as like a renter, you know, after college was many years after being on the road. And my girlfriend at the time and I rented my buddy and his girlfriend's place for six weeks in Boulder, Colorado, because I always loved Colorado and loved Boulder. And they were taking their first backpacking trip to Central America. So it was like, you know, I'd been on the road for all these years and they were just kind of getting their nomad days started, which was funny. Uh, So we kind of flipped the script there. And and that was cool. And then I ended up just moving to a place, you know, after all the traveling, I'm like, I love Colorado. So I'm just going to move Colorado because I love it. And there was no job or anything. And then, you know, moved there, figured it out, had a, a steady gig for a while selling booze for a, a liquor distributor. That was like my my one sort of normal job. And then I just wanted to have the freedom to travel more and be wherever. So I got into, I heard the term location independent. I was like, that's the, that's my jam. I want that. So I started working towards that and eventually figured that out and met my wife in Brazil, which is another story. Started dating her. She's Norwegian. We actually met in a hostel. So one of those hostel love gone too far. Now I live in blah, blah. Now I live in Norway. I've got two small kids and here I am. And now I'm a citizen, actually. You got your citizenship. Yeah. Wow. Just a couple months ago. Oh, how many years did it did that take roughly? Came here at the end of 2015. So it was basically 2016. And okay. I got my citizenship. Was there a like a hefty process to go through for like like did was it a brutal process or like, yeah, you just do go through take, you know, check boxes A, B, and C and you're done. Well, but those are big boxes to check, like five hundred hours of language lessons and attaining a certain level of proficiency, you know, via the the standardized tests. There was the time in country, of course, factor. But my t- time counted for double because I was married to a Norwegian. So that I was able to do a little shortcut there. I had to take 50 hours of social, like cultural studies for Norway. Uh, so it was really, you know, the process of just the time in the language and that, you know, mix all those together and, and eventually. And act- actually, at the time, they did not allow dual citizenship. They only allowed that this last year. So I just operated under the assumption that it would be allowed again. So I was like, well, let me just keep taking steps to permanent residency and assume that if I do all the steps it takes to get become a permanent resident, a resident, then I'm probably going to be really close to being a citizen or at least filling, fulfilling all those requirements. And I was. The only thing I had to do was uh, pass a citizenship test in Norwegian. Wow. Yeah. After well, all the other stuff too, but I had already done that because I became a permanent resident. Yeah, it's just Norwegian's just one of those languages that we all pretty much just pick up by osmosis, though. I mean, it's it, it's out there, you know. You just see it. You, it's it's easy. No, obviously being facetious. <laughs> no, it it. Well, I'm not. My specialty isn't language. That's for sure. Just ask my wife. But but it is one of those languages where it's uh, it's like Spanish in that once you get a grasp on some certain words and structures, you can almost guess the word 
because mm. it's close enough to English. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can do that with Spanish and you can almost be right with a lot of certain words, if you know what I mean. So that's that's cool. It's not like learning Vietnamese or something where it's, it's total like tonality, say, or it's, it's completely different. So in that way, it wasn't the hardest language to learn, but I use that with a big caveat because I'm still not a great Norwegian speaker and but I'm just in comparison to you know some other foreign language where they you know maybe write right to left and it's completely different oh yeah I studied a little bit of Mandarin for a while and like I mean I have time I like I didn't speak any other languages really very well at that time and I just thought like oh yeah I can kind of speak Mandarin but like in retrospect I totally couldn't I could like say some food words and you know give directions maybe but it was so hard like it that was just like I, you have to really dedicate yourself to that and I think more or less the the languages that you're going to learn in a in in Europe, for instance, or, or in Latin America, you know, Spanish, like these, you see enough similarities there where you go, okay, I can, I can grasp this with, once you get the basics down, it starts flowing fairly easily. Your Spanish must be pretty good now, huh? It, you know, my response might be similar to yours. Like, I don't think I'm very good. You know, if I talk to a native person, they're, you know, they, they're going to know I'm a, a foreigner and I make lots of mistakes or I can't find words that I really want to use. Yeah. But I, yeah, I feel comfortable, you know, in situations where English can't be spoken. And I have Spanish friends, for instance, that don't speak English. Um, so I'm comfortable, but far from perfect. You know, when, it's funny. I don't know if you get this question. People off, like when I go back to the US, I always get ask, oh, are you fluent? Like it's like people jump from zero to fluent. And I'm like, I don't know how you define fluent, but I would say no. <laughs> like yeah, right. not, not I definitely can't say fluent. Yeah. If I had to think of a definition of fluent, to me it's like I could pick up any book, read it, and then discuss it intellectually with somebody else. And I can't do that. Yeah, me neither. No, no, far far from it. And so how long have you been there now in in Norway? Because I, I well, let me let me back up one step. Was Norway on your radar? Uh, was it a place you you had a desire to go to, or was it like I met this? It was after I met this girl. Yeah, exactly. That's okay. That's the answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, of course, I think like any long term traveler, nomad, or anybody of that ilk, you kind of want to see every place and experiencing as many places as possible. So it wasn't, I think Scandinavia is one of those areas where most people avoid it at least earlier in their travels because of the expense. Yeah. Right. And it's just not a backpacker's haven, you would think. But actually with wild camping and a certain mode of travel, it doesn't have to be expensive. It's like anything else. Right. It depends on how you tackle it. But it's a place I always wanted to go because I wanted to go everywhere. Yeah. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. This season is brought to you by my good friends over at Insured Nomads. They're the absolute best in the business when it comes to providing health, travel, and medical insurance for nomads, expats, and really just all forms of world travelers. I know insurance is often something that's overlooked when we're fantasizing about traveling the world, but it's absolutely necessity that we address this because often the policy you have in your home country isn't going to cover you while you're abroad. And it's also a requirement, as a lot of people may not realize, to actually buy private travel or expat insurance, as it's called sometimes, to obtain a visa or even enter certain countries. So fortunately, there are companies like Insured Nomads to help us with this. Not only do they have excellent coverage and great prices, but they're also providing a first-class experience with additional perks and best-in-class technology via their app. It's It's an amazing experience. I can't recommend it enough. Now, this is a company that was built by world travelers for world travelers. So they know what it's like to find yourself in a difficult medical situation abroad, and they want to keep you from having that same bad experience. So the next time you're planning a trip abroad, whether it's for a week or a lifetime, check out Insured Nomads via the link in the show notes. 
Hey guys, if you're still around and enjoying this episode, then I think you might actually like our once a month newsletter as well. If you'd like to sign up, just open up the show notes of the episodes you're currently listening to, scroll down and look for aboutabroad.com slash newsletter. It takes about 30 seconds to sign up. It's a fantastic way to support the show. And I think you'll be pleased with the information that we provide every month as well. Thanks a lot for listening. Hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. To be honest, that's what Norway is for me. It's on my list. I have not been there. I see these amazing pictures of fjords and the beautiful villages and just the the amazing nature. You know, people talk about the the northern lights and there's just there's a lot that can be experienced there, but yeah. it has it has escaped me. The expense is one of those one of those factors for sure. Well, you don't want to pay $15 for a beer? I mean, you know, I I'd love to say that I that's just an everyday thing for me, but I've gotten used to two dollars here in Spain, and uh, it's quite a jump. So yeah, I don't I don't know I, I don't know why that is because it has so much to offer. Uh, we've never covered Norway on about abroad, and and certainly not from the aspect of somebody that's spent as much time there as you have. I'm going to go super broad here and just ask you to tell us a little bit about Norway in terms of, and maybe we'll look at this from the lens of somebody that would be coming to Norway for the first time. What might you recommend they they do and then let's transition into you know okay now this is going to be more of a long-term thing we'll 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 start focusing on that yeah for a visitor i mean i think it's the the general rule applies to most countries right you want to try to emulate the locals in many way in many ways right so a big part of the local culture here is pretty luftid, which is like free time outside. They really value nature. They value being outside in all conditions because you have to do that when you're Norwegian. If you don't get outside in all conditions, then you're probably not getting outside very much. And that was a, an interesting part of the cult, one of the many interesting parts of the culture for me. And and uh, frankly, one of the the parts of the culture that I really value as, a, as an individual and also as a parent of two small kids. I love that my kids go outside at their day care or whatever every day they just put on more clothes there's a, sa- a famous norwegian saying it says du finnes ike dorli var bara dorli klar it just means there's no such thing as bad weather only bad clothing so you you see people like there could be snow on the ground it's freezing cold and some guy will go or gal will go pedaling by on a bike you know with just crazy fat tires on the snow or with a kid on the back and you know the kids sleep outside in their strollers here when they're babies they just stick them outside and that's where they sleep they're within sight usually uh it's normal you might walk by a house and you see a stroller outside and oh, there's a baby sleeping in there. It's the middle of winter. It's just what they do. And, you know, that is cool to me because getting outside is, is an important part of being a human, I think, and having that connection. So as a visitor, you can do that, right? I mean, you'll see, you think about, we talked about the expense. Well, one popular thing to do in the summer here, I don't agree with this environmentally, but there's something called an Engong's grill, which is like a one-time use grill that you can buy at the store. Uh, so a popular thing people do is they'll buy one of these things and take it to a park and they'll buy hot dogs and they'll just light it and grill hot dogs and have some beers with their friends and just hang out. You know That doesn't cost very much and you'll be surrounded by locals and probably meeting a lot of them. There's a lot of stuff like that that doesn't cost money being out in nature. And I think when you're looking at Norway, if you want to spend time here, you have to plan on being around nature and out in nature, no matter what the weather. So you have Oslo, which is, I think, a really growing city in many ways. Since I've gotten here, it's changed a lot. And I think in in a lot of great ways, it's really improved over the years. 
lot of diversity in the city, like most cities, and plenty of activities to do in the city. So I, I think you want to plan on spending some time in Oslo. Then you probably want to get out to the West Coast, do the Bergen thing. It's always ranked as one of the best train rides in the world is the train ride from Oslo to Bergen. So that is something you want to pick in advance uh, and uh, book a ticket in advance. It, it is a beautiful train ride. I've done it. And then once you're in the West Coast, you could spend some time in Bergen and then you can explore the West Coast. And that's where when you see the dramatic fjords and like sort of the Lord of the Rings type of scenery, that's where a lot of that is, like the cliffs and the fjords and things like that all on the West Coast. Now, the caveat is the weather there is a lot crazier. So, you know, my biggest tip is if you have certain activities planned, really take it day by day based on the weather, right? Yeah. If you think like you're going to be, oh, well, we're going to stop here and then we're going to do this hike and then we're going to do this and the next day we're going to... Well, okay, yeah, you could do that hike, but just know that it could be raining like crazy, especially on the West Coast and crazy windy, right? So don't have the don't have a fixed itinerary in that way. You know, be open to kind of shuffling things around a bit based on the weather because if you see, oh, it's going to be sunny this day and, and we're going to be near this fjord, do it that day. Yeah, take advantage of the sun. <laughs> Right, like you have to get out and do it. It, it. The weather is a huge factor here. I can't under, uh, I can't overstate that. So, and then there are a lot of just you know small hidden gems. And one of the first things I did when I moved to Norway, moved uh, when I first came to visit my wife, I should say, on our sixth date was us living together. That's another story. For for a few months, we took like a ten day road trip around Norway, and that was a great way to get to know the country. And we just stopped along the way and rented camping cabins and things like that. Some of the cabins were on just people's farms. They would have these cabins that they would rent out. Others were like at campgrounds. And there's a big cabin culture here, so uh, we were able to kind of do that sort of spontaneous. Hey, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And we ended up in some really cool places, having some great experiences. And I think a good old fashioned road trip. So always a great way to, to see a country. You know, you can't do it all. No way. Norway is very long. So uh, I think someone was telling me if you like swung it around, I think the South, uh, if you, you know, took the North and just swung it down, I think it would have reached like Sicily or something. Wow. Yeah. No way. Yeah. That would reach like all that. the way across Europe. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, airlines, if you want to go up North and things like that, it's probably the easier way to go unless you want to drive many, many. There is a, uh, I'm a camper van guy and so you get in these camper van circles and whatsapp groups and things like that oh cool you have one or yeah yeah we, we have a camper van here and and so we travel around in it quite a bit and, and there's a, a a rumor out there that the like sort of like the holy grail of european camper vanning is to drive from tarifa in the south of spain which just like awesome beautiful beaches and it's like a windsurfing capital kind of place, little hippie town down along the Mediterranean. You drive from there all the way up to the north of Norway. Oh, and this cool. is supposed to be like the the most epic trip and people do it and you know, people take years, people take months. Um but that I sounds think sounds awesome. Yeah. Do it, man. Stop by Oslo. I'm gonna have to. What kind of van do you have? It's a it's a Ford Transit to so one of those like white box vans that's been yeah. converted and uh it's not the biggest, it's the second it's like the mid range size, so it's tall enough where you can stand up inside and it's long enough to where you uh you know you have a bed, you have a little shower, kitchen table, that kind of thing, full kitchen or in air quotes, but not the super long ones. Like there's there's a bigger version, which would be really nice inside, but a huge pain to park any in any kind of city. So yeah, it's, Man, a, it's the right thing. We size. didn't get to talk about this on my show. This is a whole other thing I want because I've always had the dream of living the van life. Yeah. I tried to do it once. I actually bought a van. I thought I did. This was before there was hashtag van life because there was no Twitter. I know I'm old. I said it already. 
So yeah, it was like people thought it was weird that my aspiration was to live in a van, but I bought the van and then the guy that found it for me basically like took the money I sent and paid his bills with it. Nice. Great start. <laughs> yeah. So I never got the van and then he did eventually pay me back over like a year. So that was just me being foolish and trusting somebody. If it makes you feel any better, my first dipping of the toe into the van life world, I bought a old VW, like super cool for, for Instagram. If, uh, if anybody had Instagram at that time. Westphalia? Uh, yeah. And like old school classic. So I bought a really old cheap one and was just like redid it inside basically and stuff. And it was just a total... To- I mean, it was it was, it was a junker. Like it, 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 looked, it looked beautiful. Yeah, it was a total money pit and ended up... We drove it around a couple you did some short little trips and stuff just i mean it could barely climb a hill it had we ended up finding out later that it had like the basically had like a moped engine in it like it was not meant to pull a a full camper van around and anyway uh blew up the engine on we're setting off on a multi-month trip blew up the engine on day one didn't make it 20 minutes down the road and uh from there on out ended up over the course of like a couple months ended up on 14 different tow trucks and sleeping in so we slept in more mechanic shops, literally in the van in a mechanic shop than we did in parks or like what was wrong parks. with it? Did you ever figure out everything? Literally, the engine blew up, then they couldn't fix the engine. Then it led to carburetor issues. Clutch went out. It was a total comedy of errors. Horrible in the moment. I thought at one point uh, we broke down in France and we had a like, French mechanic who didn't really speak English in this tiny little town say, you should kick shit in the river. <laughs> and he said, just call But He was trying to say, like, call your insurance company, push it down a hill and yeah. get whatever you can for it because right. this thing's a total. Did you do it? No, I, I did call my insurance company. I said, how much will I get if I just like drop this thing at a junkyard? And they were like 500 euros. I was like, that won't cut it. What did you do? So we ended up just investing, 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 fixed everything, spent our literally our entire savings at the time and uh, and then sold it. And we just like, you know, get rid of it. We were honest with the with the buyers. Like, here's all the problems. Here's everything we fixed. Good luck to you. We were in Ireland and uh, they weren't going to try. They were just going to drive it around Ireland and so didn't need to go very far. It had new everything. And we kept in touch for a while. They, they never had a single problem with it as far as I know. So <laughs> it wasn't meant to be. No. No, but the van life is cool. It, 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 you don't want to do it long term, in my opinion, especially as a couple. Uh, it's hard, like it's tight, tight space. Um, yeah. RV would be different. A lot of arguments in that van. Huh? Yes. Yes, it can. And it's, there's not a lot of doors to slam either. <laughs> but I agree with you. The, I mean, it's a great way to see a country. It's a great, you know, traveling like you and I are both from, from the US and maybe we're, you're used to air travel and, you know, driving across the country is like, that's a, that's a lifelong endeavor. You know, maybe you do it once or twice or something. But in Europe, something I really love is that you can cross these borders. You can go see different places. Cultures change. I don't know if this is the case in Norway, but like from different part of one, you know, you could drive maybe an hour or two and hear a different accent. Hear people do things a little bit differently. And I I really love that about driving and train travel in, in Europe in particular. Yeah, me too. Uh, there are a lot of dialects here. There are like a couple thousand or something. People are going to fact check me. He's like, I don't, I don't know exactly how many dialects there are, but I know there are something. It's, it's a lot. Yeah, no, the road tripping thing, when I was doing the Nomad thing in the States, that's how I traveled was driving these crazy vehicles all over the States. So it was really like a decade long plus road trip. And so I love road tripping and I love that mode of travel. And I love that you can slowly get to a place and see the landscape change. And yeah, you just get there. You kind of earned it in a way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a very enjoyable way to 
to see places. It is, and you stumble across the the road less path. The, the what do they say? The road less traveled, or the off the beaten path. I'm combining yeah. the two at the same time. But you you stumble across things that you wouldn't have stumbled across before. I know when I was on your show, you were saying you ended up in Boone, North Carolina, where I went to college. Like that's not something that you know most people, even from neighboring states, might have seen before. But it's I, I, this is what I I love about the, the slow travel. It gives you that ability. It's not just checking off cities and seeing the major sites. It's all the stuff in between that really kind of makes the sweetness of it, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so weird because when I got to Europe road tripping, when I did the quintessential solo backpacking trip, my first trip, which really changed my life forever and really responsible for everything that I've been doing today, I think even to this day. Um, solo travel, highly recommended. Uh, shout out for solo travel. Yeah, hashtag solo travel. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of road tripping because I just had it in my head. Well, okay, yeah, I've got this Euro Rail Pass and I'm just going to do the train thing, hostels and all that until I got to Spain and I got to San Sebastian and there was a crazy festival going on. You probably know which one it was. It was like the biggest festival of the year. I had no idea it was happening. And there was nowhere to stay that was cheap. I think there was one hotel room that was like 100 bucks or $100 hotel room. That's that's insanity. So I met up with some... I just met these guys from Portland on the beach or something and they had met some Canadian... I don't know. Well, there was like a, a small group of us, two guys from Portland and this Canadian girl. We all met and we just decided we, instead of... They couldn't find a place to stay either and nobody knew what they were going to do. And I was thinking, well, maybe I'll just hang out here and then go to another town or something that night. But we just decided to just stay up all night because why do we need a place to stay? Because it's Spain. Don't they stay up till like four in the morning? Sleep is a byproduct of life. It's it's not really a focal point. Yeah. So we're just like, well, that seemed like, yeah, that kind of solved all the problems, right? We're having fun together. We can just stay up all night and, you know, party and have a good time and eat good food and hang out. And we did all that. Enjoyed the festival. It was great. Fell asleep in the park at the train station, like right outside, and then woke up and all decided to take a road trip together. So we just spontaneously rented a car and then took like a four day road trip. And that was my first road trip around Europe. And I was, this is so cool. Now we're in a car and we're seeing this is, you know, stayed in some places where the train doesn't even go through, I think. That was a cool experience. Oh, uh, yeah, man. I, I absolutely love it. And and what's cool about that, like you were in, so you were in San Sebastian in the north of Spain, which is in Basque country, where they speak Basque. Like It doesn't sound anything like Spanish. It doesn't look anything like Spanish. From there, you could have crossed back into the regular Spain where like, you know, 10 minutes in any direction, you could be in another province where they're speaking a bit differently or a mix of Basque and Spanish. Or you could cross over into France in, in 30 minutes and be and hear French. And like, that that is such a unique thing and i i don't i gather like from listening to your show and just talking to you a little bit like we both have this just like lust for that like that experience just calls to us yeah and you know what's crazy that's the last time i was in spain really i still haven't been back to spain it drives me crazy i've been back well i should say i've been to portugal that's the closest i've gotten (laughs) um a couple times like fairly recently but i need to get back yeah well, you you owe me a, a trip to Spain. I owe you a trip to Oslo. I, I really I really do want to get up there. I wondered if we could if you could share as like I mean you're an insider. How long have you been there now? Did you say? Well, I officially officially came in twenty at the end of twenty fifteen. Okay, but I had spent a couple years leading up to that, at least two or three years dating my wife and going back and forth and doing the three month visa thing. So. Yeah. yeah, so you're uh, very much so the most knowledgeable person on Norway that I have met that hasn't uh, come from Norway originally. So I would just love to know from you, 
Like where we mentioned Oslo, I think everybody knows, you know, Oslo's there. You mentioned Bergen, which is where my mind goes. Like I really have the desire to visit Bergen, which maybe other people that are listening here. Is there sort of what's the what's the next place on that list that you might recommend either as a place to visit or perhaps is like, yeah, you should actually consider if you were gonna come be an expat here or you're looking to resettle in, in Norway, you know, give this place a, a look, that that third tier. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, it's hard because I haven't been to all these places, right? But Tudon Time is a place that that is a student town that I've heard really good things about. So, you know, there are ways to study abroad or have that type of cultural exchange. And that would be a town to look at if you want to do something around education and be based somewhere. The north of Norway, believe it or not, this is always the case, right? Like you you get somewhere and then you see less of the place, you see more of the world and less of the place you've been, which is like crazy. I think part of that was circumstance for my life. But the north of Norway, uh, particularly like Lofoten is, you know, you've probably seen the iconic pictures of the mountains dramatically rising out of the sea. And, you know, there's opportunities to see the northern lights in the winter, experience the um, the midnight sun in the summer. It's just uh, uh, such a cool area. So there's like Svalbard and Tromso and places up there where you could have a really unique experience I, that I have not yet gotten to have. What's interesting in, in the north of Norway there are like some pretty heavy duty tax breaks for settling up there. So I actually just met a father of one of my children's friends recently. We we're doing like a play date thing. And he was telling me that his sister lives up there and she's up there for like a year or 18 months. I think she was up there for a year. And, and that was one of the big reasons because you don't pay, you either pay, don't pay any taxes or you pay very minimal taxes because they need to get people up there to like teach the kids in the school or whatever. And I've also heard that there's a lot of good vibes up in North northern Norway in terms of, you know, Norway's not known for like strangers feeling friendly. It's not like known for a friendly feeling place. Part of that I've discovered over time is that their version of polite is different than ours as Americans. So their version of polite is kind of like to not bother anybody on the street. And that can come off as cold and tough when you come from particularly the US at least where, you know, you could be buying a Snickers bar at the gas station and next thing you know, you're exchanging life stories uh, with the cashier because everybody just talks to each other in America. And it's like nobody really talks to each other here on the street because they don't want to bother each other. But I, I think that they like, they don't like that either. You know, it's just the way it is. But as a as an outsider, you get to break that rule and people don't like look at you like you're weird because they, they're like, oh, okay, well, they're a foreigner. They don't get it. And then they're happy to engage in the conversation. So yeah, but I guess up in the North, it's pretty, it's, it's a little more open and friendly in that way. What I've heard. Interesting. Normally, as you go more, it's funny, like there's this general tendency. I feel like people have, it's, it's certainly true here in Spain. It was true when I spent time in Ecuador. It's true in the US that there's this perception that like Southerners are, and I think this is true in Italy too. I've heard an Italian tell me this. Southerners are more friendly in the north. It's more cold. You know, people are mm. people are a little bit more closed off. It's kind of interesting to hear that. Oh yeah, flip the there. opposite here. It reminds yeah. me of like the wild, wild west. Like they're like, we'll we'll literally pay you to go live up there, man. Just, <laughs> just go. <laughs> we need humans there. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to visiting a country, of course, I mean, it depends on what you're doing and how long you're staying and stuff. Uh, there's a couple things to consider. I mean, the first is like 
what kind of lifestyle do you want to have on the day to day? If you're going to spend six months in a place or whatever, determine the amount of time and how much does it matter that you're around that particular lifestyle or those things, right? So if you're like, hey, well, I want to be around the city life, you know, I value that. And that's like sort of the daily life I kind of envision having in terms of this experience abroad, then you, it, narrow, it helps to narrow down the list, right? Or if you're like, you know, I want to live in a smaller town where there's like hiking nearby and this, that maybe a ski resort within an hour, whatever, like kind of come up with your list of lifestyle desires or wishes and then just try to find a place that ticks as many of those boxes as, as you can. Right. And then to balance that, I, I do feel like and I think this comes over time for me travels now. It's almost less about the destination and more just the overall experience. You know, totally. I, it's not that I don't care about the destination. It's just that I kind of don't care about the destination. <laughs> it's much less it, important than it once was, for sure. Yeah, it, It's just an experience. And I'm just going to kind of go to a place and take the experience in. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. The, the destination itself has the luster has faded for that. But my inclination towards just a great experience and, and really enjoying myself comfort, happiness, like what, what I need in that moment is is much more important. And, and I think, I don't know if this has occurred for you, the, the downside to that is that I have this like growing bucket list of places yeah. that I do want to see. Uh, yeah. But I find myself saying like, at the moment, that's not that's not the, that's not what I am. You know, I do want to check it off, so to speak. Yeah. But I uh, but it's not what I, it's not the experience I'm looking for right now. Yeah. I mean, you know what? On my list is a lot of those are just experiences yeah. I want to have, really, is what it comes down to, right? It, it is less destination driven, even that list. But yeah, I, I think that's uh, an important thing to kind of think about when you're planning your travel. I think that it comes over time too, right? If you've kind of gone and I want to see this, I want to see that. And then you go and see those places and you're fortunate enough to have a lot of years of traveling and experience in that way, maybe it becomes less important because you've kind of been there, done that in some ways. Yeah. You know, I don't feel like I'm missing out. Okay, there's certain things I do want to see, yes, but I'm not like, you know, almost like desperation before. Like, if I don't see this, like my life is not complete, you know? And now it's just like, well, I'll, I'll get to it. Or if I don't get to it before I die, then I guess I won't get to it. I yeah, yeah, life will go on. There, the world's very big. I, th I think we have this like vision, or we have this mentality now that the, because we're so easily connected, and we can just you can sort of like travel through somebody's social media accounts now, and you can uh, consume content and communicate with people on other side of the world. It, it feels like the world's small and very, very easily accessible, but there's just so much out there. I mean, there's so people will say like, "Oh, wow, you've traveled a lot," and I'm like, "I haven't." Like, there's so there's. I, there's so much that I haven't seen that it's just this like little fraction of the pie that I have seen. And I don't know, there's there's something like really cool about that, I think, to remember that it's just this big, wide open world out there. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, that adage when, when it comes to knowledge, right? Like, it's like the more you know, the less you know kind of thing. It's the same with travel. The more items you check off the bucket list, the more destinations, the more or experiences, the the more that list will, will just continue to grow. The more you see, grow. the more you realize there's... You haven't seen much. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. Jason, man, I would just love to sit here and pick your brain for, for hours. I feel like there's there's a lot left on the table here that I would love to ask you. I know we're uh, we're a little bit limited on time, so I'm going to let you run and, and maybe follow up with you another time to, to pick your brain more. Where can people follow along, learn more, follow your story, uh, check out the podcast? We'll, of course, include all this in the, in the show notes so people can access it really quickly. But while we've got you here, I'd love to share that with the audience. Yeah, thank you very much. Very much for having me and I had a blast chatting travel with you. It's always so fun. And yeah, I mean, if you're listening to a podcast right now, you probably have a podcast app or whatever. So if you just search zero to travel, all spelled out, no numbers, then you can find the podcast. And if you find the podcast, you'll pretty much find it. 
zero to travel.com is also a place. Nice. And I'll, I'll take the humble hat off for Jason so he doesn't have to. There's a ton of awesome content there, communities, access to tons of content, promotions going on. Uh, he does a lot. So so really do check that out if you're interested in building a life for yourself abroad or, or you know embracing long-term travel. Um, I think uh, I think you will not be disappointed. Jason, man, thank you again. I look forward to your trip to Spain and my trip to Oslo and catching up in real life, hopefully before too long. That sounds great, man. Thanks for having me and thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter. No spam, guaranteed. Or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me, it also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.